Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, Peacemaker Season 1. It is the first DC Extended Universe TV series and a spin-off from the 2021 film, The Suicide Squad. Set after the events of the film, the series further explores jingoistic killer Christopher Smith, a.k.a. Peacemaker. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Right off the bat, big surprise for this one is an entire TV show with Peacemaker written, every episode written by James Gunn and almost all of them directed by James Gunn for TV. How did this happen? (laughs) Well, it happened during the pandemic. He had not even been greenlit. James Gunn is at home. He enjoyed the character and just wrote a TV series. Went to Warner Brothers. I've written a thing. Would you like to make it? And they're like, yeah, sure. And that's where it came from. Like It wasn't the plan, but yeah, but this is the, the first TV series connected with the DCEU. We've got all the shows on CW, all the Arrowverse shows and the various other DC properties. But this is the first time they've made a show that is connected to what we see on the big screen. Yeah, and it, uh, surely they do more. Like, based on how this has been received, I have to imagine this kind of shows, like, well, Marvel was already doing it with the cavalcade of shows we had over last year. But, like, yeah, you can... It's easy enough to do a TV show on a smaller scale with the less iconic characters. Like, let the TV build the universe that you don't have time to reference in your movies. But even with like movies that they're making exclusively for HBO Max, so not all the DC live-action movies now, which are DCEU, are going to be on the big screen. Like Batgirl, Blue Beetle at one time was going to be HBO Max. Now it's on the big screen. But it seems to be happening more and more. But they've already confirmed season two, Peacemaker. They're already making more. And James Gunn is going to be working on different TV properties for DC. Because he's said as well, he's got Guardians Volume 4. Not, not 4, Guardians Volume 3 coming out for Marvel. And then not quite 4, but the Christmas special. But yeah. after Guardians Volume 4, he's looking to be focusing more on TV anyway. So whether that's oh, DC right. or just in general. But it did seem a bit special, didn't it? Knowing that, because we, we'd not even seen the Suicide Squad yet, and this TV show was announced, and we knew that James yeah. Gunn was involved. So it's like, oh, okay, so this is something a little bit different. But then you spend like, the whole time watching The Suicide Squad, thinking, well, we kind of know Peacemaker's coming back. But then he's killed in the film. And this is a, yeah. I'd say, minor spoiler. But I think if you listen to this, you've seen The Suicide Squad and you've seen the show, you know he survives. But he's killed in the films. So as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, ah, so is the show going to be a prequel? But then there's a post credit scene and, he, and you find out that he is actually alive. Yeah, he's like been found in the rubble, so still breathing. But yeah, and <laughs> then... Episode one, it's like, uh, are you all right? Yeah, I just had a broken collarbone. You had a <laughs> building fall on you and all you got was a broken collarbone? 
I just love how connected it is because again we're talking about you know DCEU and we knew John Cena was back and the supporting characters there's some new ones in here but characters from the film and the actors have also coming back it's not just Cena I was still surprised to see Amanda Waller Viola Davis even though she's on a computer screen it counts she's in the show I was generally surprised to see her yeah and uh, you get uh, the, some of the crew from the Suicide Squad who are, you know, like the people in the chairs, as uh, Ned Leeds would say. Um, and, yeah, we get two of those back, which is uh, John Economos, uh, which I just started calling Guy Beard because <laughs> people who watch the show will know who you're talking about. And uh, Agent Harcourt. Um, and yeah, who's and they're great because you definitely needed some more uh characters for Peacemaker to bounce off, obviously. But this helps the connection, like, oh, these didn't go anywhere, like, you know, especially given the way Suicide Squad ends, like, those people aren't getting away that easily. Like there's going to be repercussions and the repercussions are being forced to work with Peacemaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. Was a nice touch at the end of that movie. Then we get, yeah, we get to see in the first episode, the actors at Harcourt, we've got Jennifer Holland, who is fantastic. And comedian. Is it Steve Agee or Agee? Uh, I think it's Agee. Agee as well as him reprising his role from the Suicide Squad, he was also the motion capture for King Shark in that movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's but that's he, him. Yeah, he did a lot of things to do for that film. Including dyeing his beard. And the actor said, he doesn't want to do that again. And that was that was like an actor's decision he does not want to dye his beard again like he did for the movie and not only did it end up being a running joke throughout the whole season they managed to turn it around and have it be this big heartfelt moment of him connecting not just with peacemaker but with the rest of the team and it was like a really touching moment and it was on the back of a running gag because an actor didn't want to shave his ball Dye his beard again. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, so good. So good. Like, how do you, like, how do you, like, you didn't have to reference it at all. You've just been like, yeah, how many people are going to notice his beards stop being dyed? Like, I definitely wouldn't have. But, yeah, James Gunn's like, I can use this. (laughs) Yeah, and and absolutely used it. James Gunn, we know from the Guardians films, when it comes to music, he's up there, isn't he? He is great at selecting yeah. music for films. And what we get from this show is something that is almost non-existent in most TV shows now, an opening title sequence. <sighs> most shows now don't have a title card. It's the name of the show, move on. The show doesn't have a lot of time. He's got a lot of story to tell. It can't waste having an old open. It can't waste time having a full 
opening title sequence, but we get it here. The song is fantastic. The dance routine is brilliant. We've got the whole cast doing or performing a choreographed dance number, who I later yeah. found out it was choreographed by Alan Tudyk's wife. Yeah. And when sending examples of some of the moves to James Gunn, Tudyk himself was performing the dancers and then Gunn was reviewing his moves. I love <laughs> I love all of that. But yeah, the opening, it's not just the dance, the, the song as well. Do, Do You Want to really... Taste It is the name of the song by Wigwam. And yeah. yes, it's it's brilliant. And what Gunn was aiming for, and he definitely achieved it with me, he wanted to give people a reason not to hit skip. Yeah. A lot of streaming services now, you get that option. Skip titles. You, yeah. Yeah. What I do like is also it was such a big hit with fans. Someone did a Lego version, Lego minivig version of that with the full dance moves and everything. And James Gunn shared it like, this is awesome. I love this. (laughs) You know, I didn't get straight away, though. Well, I'm sorry I didn't get straight away. I didn't get it at all because I read it somewhere. The reasons why the characters come out, they're doing the dance moves but they're all completely like stoic, like also like no emotion on their face. It's like foreshadowing what happens with the butterflies when it takes when the aliens uh-huh. take over humans. Wow, that's, that's why they look stoic. They're doing the dance moves, but they're not showing any expressions. Robert Patrick, yeah. we've not mentioned him yet, but he's in he's in this as Peacemaker's dad. His little contribution to the dance number is excellent. <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. Oh, the hip so thrusting good. with the like jazz hands. But you're just watching it though, because again, like a show like this, or you know, most shows, you don't get all the characters at once. Like, over the episodes, you'll get introduced to other characters. But in this opening, even characters that go on to kind of have smallish parts, like the neighbor. Yeah. He's fully in this opening title sequence, having his little dance, the janitor who I thought we were just yeah. going to get in the first episode, but later on, Peacemaker goes to his kid's school <laughs> to yeah. impress them as a superhero. Yeah. But you're watching yeah. the title sequence, you're like, are we going to see these characters again? Yeah, that's what I kept thinking the whole time. Like, oh, like these must develop into like fully-fledged characters. No, no. <laughs> but it's, it's excellent. I've, yeah. I didn't skip it whilst watching the show. And I've watched it separately quite a few times, just for my own personal enjoyment. But this this show has been a huge hit for HBO Max. Here in Australia, we get it on binge. In the UK, as of March, they've only just got it. Wow. It has only just Hopefully started. they dropped it all at once. I think it's weekly. I don't know if they dropped it all at once. They were just really lagging. I think UK is one of the last countries to actually get it. Each episode received higher viewership than the last, with the season finale breaking the record for highest single-day viewership of an HBO Max original episode. There you go. The series has received positive reviews with praise going to Cena's performance and Gunn's directing and writing. I think Gunn, he did about five, didn't he? Yeah. It was eight in total. And what he's come out and said with season two, He's going to write and direct every episode. 
Oh, wow. So that's what I was saying before. I think he's definitely, he's having plans to do more TV. Yeah, well, this shows one of the things that has become more and more of a theme, which is as great as movies are, because you get the budgets, you get the backing, you can really make an impact in terms of uh, viewership in a small amount of time. But you are also exceptionally limited because you have on the long side about two and a half hours uh, to tell a story, which means, and you can't, and you, it means you're forced to a certain pace that you have to drive over those two and a half hours. Whereas on a TV show, you can take your time to let it develop at the pace you want it to. And you get the character development that you don't have to squeeze over a two and a half hour period. It can take four, five, six, seven hours to, to allow multiple uh, characters relationships to develop at what feels like a natural, uh, healthy pace. Um, Like even with Peacemaker, you know from the suicide squad that his dad is the one who trained him to be who he is. And we know that it affected uh, Idris Elba's character negatively because he's got PTSD from the rats that his father tortured with him for not performing uh, tasks correctly. But John Cena seems fine with it. You're like, oh, Peacemaker's just a dick. Uh, but then when you get to this show, it's they start to peel the layers back for episode one, he's he's meeting with his dad. His dad's just a dick, uh, and he doesn't seem to care that his father, his son was in prison at all. And it takes you like four or five episodes. You know something happened. Like ah, his dad's a dick, but I'm not getting the full story. How bad is it? And slowly but surely, you get his backstory of like how far did it go. And then it's not resolved until the second last episode that he gets the result. You get the resolution of that storyline, which not is not even really resolved. Well, it's not. No, but you, you get, get you, yeah, you get it come to a head. Um, and I'm sure there'll be repercussions for that for uh, season two. But well, we absolutely get the whole the movie, picture. Yeah. We get the whole picture of all of that. Uh, baggage comes episode seven. Um, well, it was never it was really his fault, done. wasn't he? He'd always felt responsible for his brother's death. It was yeah. made to fight his brother for entertainment for his dad and his mates. And, and hit him his brother, hard. yeah, and his brother was the favorite of the two. And his, yeah, his dad's always giving him a hard time. But even when he finally takes down his dad, his dad's dead. But then, you know, what's going to carry on over in season two is that his dad's not gone. He's still there tormenting him. And when he's just sat there and his dad comes and sits beside him, you know, oh, he's never going to escape what, he's, what his dad did to him. There's, yeah. oh, there's so much great writing on the show, even like little throwaway things where, I know we've not mentioned Vigilante yet, but you've got Vigilante and Peacemaker together and looking at his dad's super villain suit and straight away like vigilantes pointing out all the weaknesses yeah like you know that spot that spot yeah that's not very that's not very practical and then 
but you remember that when they're in the big fight and then Vigilante is taking advantage of those weak weak spots in, in the suit. But going into this, what because I've got to be honest, I think like most, even though you know, I will say I'm a big DC guy, love DC comics, grew up reading DC comics. Peacemaker was not a character that I was familiar with. It might as well have been a new character watching him in the Suicide Squad. But of course, he's been around for for a while. And he was the, the basis for the comedian in Watchmen. So he is a character that has been around for a long time. But seeing him in Suicide Squad, oh, okay. So you know, he's a top marksman. You know, th- this is this is who this guy is. But then when you get to the show, oh no, he's got like a, a helmet for every occasion. Yeah. And I still don't know if that is a thing they've done for the show or if that's a thing that's from the comics. I know the villain who his dad is in the show isn't his father in the comics. Yeah, they've, they've changed it up. But I don't know, like, in the comics, does he have these different helmets that have different abilities? I don't know. No, because it's a, like yourself. It's a character I'd heard of but had no familiarity with. Um, so I just took it all on, like, it doesn't matter at this point. It could be like yourself that a new character created specifically for these purposes. Um, I'm sure it's one of those cases of he's used some of those abilities in the comics before with helmets. And it's a, a choice of, nah, he doesn't have all that built in there. He's a dumbass. Like, like his dad's the smart one. <laughs> in fact, like, do you know what? I'm thinking now there is, I did read, I think it must have been last year. It was a comic, and the backup story was Peacemaker. And although the helmet didn't have abilities, but the helmet was communicating with him. And the way that it read on the page, it was like, was that actually happening, or was that in his head? Uh, I'm sure with this show being as popular as it is, and the character was really popular in Suicide Squad already, I'd imagine... If he's not already this way in the comics, they'll probably retool it that way. It tends to be yeah. what happens in the comics. Like I remember for like a short period of time, on the back of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, he had organic webs in the comics. Briefly. Yeah, they did a storyline to, uh, to to make that alteration. But yeah, so so maybe they'll do a similar a similar thing. We also have uh, Adebayo or Leota Adebayo, played by Danielle Brooks. Who phenomenal job, great actress. She's like the the one out of the depth who's clearly just an office person who's somehow ended up in this situation. Uh, and we get very early on, oh, it's because her mother is Amanda Waller. Which I thought was excellent because you're right, we get it early on. So so we're in on it. But characters in yeah. the show have no idea until the end. Yeah, which I thought was was really fun because that's a massive secret for her to have and us the audience to be aware of, and there's a lot of fun that comes with that because she's generally a nice person. Like yeah. she could not be any further removed from Amanda Waller on what she's like. Yeah, I thought she and- was great, and again, I'm not familiar with this actress, but I really liked her in this, and what you get. Again, she's very different to a mom, but she's also very different to Peacemaker. But they develop a genuine 
friendship and he cares for it at the end and you get some good moments between the two. Yeah, especially because Peacemaker's father, Augie, is a racist. He's White Dragon is his uh, supervillain persona, but it's very much like the Grand Dragon of the KKK. It's and that's it, yeah. Supervillain form. But yeah, that's the thing. He's not just a supervillain. He's a neo-Nazi. Yeah, uh, and that's part of the strange uh, misinformation that is residing in Peacemaker's head. He genuinely believes some silly internet rumors. I mean, he, a lot of internet rumors. He has no way of, he like, he doesn't comprehend, like, why would someone lie on the internet? <laughs> but also, he is a genuinely good person who's like, oh, I don't have any problem with uh, with people of different ethnicities or sexual orientations. It's not until, like, he starts having to work with Harcourt and the rest of them that they're like, you're a racist. All you you the only people you ever put in prison or like attacked were like uh people of uh ethnicities who are like my uh you know uh not white. And it's like puts him on the spot like was I racist? Is that how people think I was? I was just taking out bad guys. Uh yeah, and it's yeah, it's just it's a natural way, especially because you're getting two characters with very different viewpoints uh, who easily find common ground, which, you know, for both of them, it's an overbearing uh, parent who's disappointed in them. Like, all you needed was uh, some common ground. That's right, yeah. Which works really well. Uh, Adrian Chase, a.k.a. Vigilante, played by Freddie Stromer. Phenomenal. And do you know so what? So good. British, which yeah. surprises a lot of people. He is a British actor. And I'm I'm finally watching the Harry Potter films. Like I'd not seen them. And I started watching them with my kids. And I recently watched Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. He's in that. He's in that film. He's um really? Yeah, he's on. Oh, I'm forgetting. <laughs> I am watching Harry Potter. What's the um what's the game that they play? Oh, Quidditch. Quidditch, yeah. Quidditch. He's the guy that's a lot better than Ron Weasley when Ron is trying to be on the team to impress. Oh, wow. That's him. But I wouldn't have known huh. if I'd not seen Peacemaker first. But I'm yeah. watching, I'm like, oh, that's Vigilante. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Yeah, but he, and, uh, wow, he, he's so good in this. He is so good in this. I mean, he shows up at first. It's hard not to think, oh, are they just doing Deadpool? Because he, he's... He's got a lot of similar character traits, but no, like he definitely, I mean, this is a portrayal of Vigilante different to what we've had before. I mean, we've had Adrian Chase as Vigilante in the Arrowverse. Yeah. Maybe animation, but of course in the comics, but he's portrayed very differently here. But I thought he was excellent. And I loved how no matter what, he was always there for Peacemaker. And yeah, he was like his friend. Yeah, his <laughs> self-proclaimed best friend. He's going, yeah, I absolutely am. And just that whole thing, like everybody knows your little toe is the most important toe. It stops you from falling over. And he has that whole thing, like, I would his toe cut off. <laughs> yeah, uh, but amazing athletics and accurate to the comics is he's a vigilante who kills, hence his name. He uses lethal force. 
yep. like the Punisher, but in a costume. Uh, in fact, he stepped in temporarily for Nightwing in uh, during the Nightwing run when uh, before New Fifty Two. Oh yes, and killed someone and put Dick Grayson in uh, in a bind because of it, which I remember oh, that story yeah. like vividly. Um, so when I saw a vigilante in the credits, I'm like, vigilante? No. <laughs> sure enough, there he yeah. is yeah. in the a lot. I'm like, holy crap! He's a great character. It's nice to see him getting some uh some limelight. And the costume looks great. Like he he looks like vigilante. Yeah. Peacemaker looks just like he did in the movie. Yeah. And again, have this be connected to DCEU, the production values there. Like, it, yeah. it, it doesn't feel like a cheaper version than what we've seen in the film, which I really liked. How, but yeah, Vigilante, his costume was great. looked just like the character. Yeah. Wouldn't show tell uh, his best mate who what his actual uh, identity is to the point where <laughs> they have a menage a trois and he's got his helmet on the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good. <laughs> yeah. Um, Clemson Morn, the guy who runs the ops team, who's in charge, played by Chukwudi Iwuji. I Iwuji. It's uh, I'm, I haven't heard it pronounced, so I'm hoping I'm getting that right. I mean, it sounds right. I mean, I'm 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 seeing it written down. It's not a easy name to pronounce. But I said before that characters didn't know what was really happening. They didn't really know that she was Waller's daughter, but he knew. He knew yeah. all along. It just wasn't an issue for him. Yeah. Um, but he's amazing. He's also going to be in Guardians 3. It's been announced. Uh, James Gunn likes working with him and taking him along. Well, did you, did you hear how, how his audition came about? He, no. was make, he was making this show. And crew members, camera crew from this show, shot his audition for Guardians and then sent it over to Marvel. <laughs> Brilliant. And we'll get to That's... it We'll because I think we need to save it. When the big cameos happen, James Gunn was shooting Guardians and Marvel cameraman films those sequences. Oh, wow. So it's like, so DC is shooting a Marvel audition tape and Marvel are shooting an end scene for a DC show. And it just goes to show, doesn't it? That, you know, when it comes to fan rivalry, the studios don't care. (laughs) They they don't care. They're happy to help each other out. They're all friends. Yeah, not just that. I mean, we know, as people read the comics, writers and artists go backwards and forwards all the time if they're not currently working on a project for each company at the same time, because it's, they're all fans, like the fans of everything. And they, are it's just interchangeable. Like, Oh, are you available to do a comic for us? Absolutely. What character do you need? Do you know anything about this guy? Oh, I'd love to write that guy. Like, yeah, it's, and it seems the movies are in the exact same, like, part of like practical. It's practical. Yeah, it just so happens to be shooting a DC show. Yeah. He needs to shoot a tape for a Marvel audition. Yeah. Can, can you guys, do we have some time over over lunch to uh, to get this out of the way? Yeah, of course you can. 
And yeah, oh, uh, we need to do some pickup shots. Uh, I'm over here. Do you mind if I use these guys? Not at all. <laughs> but then the common thread is James Gunn, the man yeah, who walks between worlds. <laughs> You know, yeah, between Guardians movies, he's just shooting a movie and a TV show for DC. Yeah, but yeah, they're all friends, really. Well, the yeah. character, uh, though, yeah, the, the character is great, and I was generally surprised when we see that he's actually a butterfly himself. I didn't see that coming, I just saw him yeah. having little to no, I would, I'm not gonna say personality, but it was just very. Dry like, all the time, cold. Which yeah. I just I just read as like, oh, he's a mercenary. He doesn't do this way. And he even has a weird interaction early on with Diebeard, where he's um <laughs> Beard. gives a story of his like uh, a personal story. Uh he goes, This is the way people re- react. This is me showing that I'm giving you some trust. And you don't think of it anything of it because you're thinking he's just a weird cold blood killer like he he might legitimately be a psychopath who finds empathy hard and then you find out he's a blood flying like that's what that was it all makes sense yeah uh and uh you know spoiler warning again when he dies in the second last episode i was really upset i'm like oh maybe they'll put uh his butterfly in someone else oh no that ain't happening they made sure of that. But they did but, a good they did a good job because you take accept him as being on the good team, the good guys. But then you're yeah. finding out, oh, but for him to be there, he's killed a human. But yeah. the human that he killed was a real bad guy that had killed a lot of people. So I thought they yeah. did a decent enough job explaining that you can accept him as a good guy. Yeah, he's uh, he selected his uh host like with like moral weight. Uh, and even that he, he felt guilty over because he's like, this guy could still have been redeemed. I took that away from him. He had no, he had, I took away that ability from to get there, but I needed to stop everyone else. Um, Just the threat themselves, like butterflies. And then we find out, you know, what the real threat is and what's happening in the show is an alien invasion. And just with yeah. a character like Peacemaker, you think, oh, that's, Maybe it's going to be more street level. But even going back to the Suicide Squad movie, Starro the Conqueror, a Justice yeah. League villain. Yeah. So they've kind of set it up already that, you know, we're going to go up against big threats, but I generally thought it was going to be smaller scale and not an alien invasion. Yeah, same. Uh, Detective Sophie Song, playing by Annie Chang. Uh who's throughout every episode she's peacemaker first episode uh hooks up with some random chick in a bar who has his exact taste in music which yep. is very <laughs> 80s hair metal which i heavily approve of honestly uh, i was i was getting johnny lawrence vibes from christopher smith yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely uh even to his car his uh american flag like uh cheaper end like late early 70s late 60s muscle car um and then he defends himself because turns out she was a butterfly uh didn't know who he was and it all just was like coincidence and then uh because he has to use the helmet he's wearing at the time which has a shockwave ability wrecks his car 
creates a whole bunch of issues, liquefies her, so it's a crime scene. <laughs> uh, and that's why Sophie Song is brought into the events uh, investigating all of this stuff. And she's like the competent police officer, like, you know, like, oh, it's uh, the, we've traced the fingerprints that Augie Smith, uh, Peacemaker's father. And she's like, that was diabetes, hey. wasn't he? Like, it could, it yeah. could have, it could have, like, it could have picked anybody. Randomly picked anyone, but yeah, of all the yeah. people he picked, he picked the worst person. Peacemaker's dad. Yeah, he's yeah. a connection to the guy. <laughs> But yeah, Ali Chang, I thought she was great, is Sophie Song, who does go on to become the new host of the Butterfly Leader. But before that happens, though, we've got Lachlan Munro as Larry Fitzgibbon, the bumbling police partner. Yeah. Uh, the Also, the Red Hood, for those who watch Riverdale. Uh, oh, right, go, no. <laughs> yeah, for me, I, I, I go back to... Scary movie. Scary movie. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was in that. He's been in heaps of things, but he's never like yeah, the he... guy, but he's he's always there somewhere. But yeah, he, yeah. he played um he played he played the part well yeah. in this. And they have a, ge- a generally great buddy cop like uh relationship because she's the smarts, but he's all like supportive of like you know, if she's put anything like I think we gotta go over his head and go to a to a judge. He's like, let's go, partner. He's all he cares. He's a genuinely good person, just without the uh, competency. Yeah, uh, a great duo uh, for both of them. Um, and you know, especially when she, when she ends up the host for uh, can't, what was the name of Goff? That's Senator right, Goff. Yeah. But that's just becomes the default name of the the leader of the butterflies. Yeah. Um, Eagly is in this. <laughs> Quick, quick, he's hugging me. <laughs> and that was the turning point be... as well, wasn't it? When she when she got to see when Waller's daughter is seeing that an eagle is hugging a man. <laughs> yeah. And she uh, took it as a obviously, sign. Obviously, CGI, because uh, bald eagles, I believe, are <laughs> endangered species that you yeah. can't use to shoot. Uh, and I imagine voiced. not the most affectionate. Yeah, uh, actually voiced by voice actor D. Bradley Baker, who voiced Obi-Wan Kenobi on the Clone Wars cartoons and yep. video games. I'm like, that's who's making those eagle noises? Amazing. I mean, they usually go to Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk. Like, he was the, the chicken in Moana. Like, he does, yeah. he does quite a few animal sound effects. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big name, isn't it? As Eagly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's <laughs> quick, Russell Lepacke. He'll think you've got p- chips. Why are you giving your <laughs> eagle potato yeah. chips? Like, why aren't you? <laughs> so good. Uh, Judo Master in this, not in his traditional comic book accurate costume. Uh, the comic book costume is like a like a the Rising Sun Japanese flag, but with yellow instead of white for the yeah. the beams. Uh, James Gunn asked why he changed it to green, which wasn't comic accurate. He's like, well, the character in the comics, as well as the actor I picked, are actually from a different Asian country. I thought it'd be weird to have someone from a different Asian country 
from both the source material and the actor I pose wearing a Japanese flag. It just yeah, like yeah. uh yeah, it's like how like what what year are we living in? Uh, played by Nut Lee, who uh has a very he, he's a very tiny man, which, which is turns into like this yeah (laughs) he's not really that small (laughs) which is a big uh like ongoing gag as well of people like look at this little guy completely underestimating his his ability uh a proficiency for saying very little but being catty with whatever he says cheetos he loves cheetos flaming Flaming hot cheetos Cheetos, which i've eaten very hot i don't like them (laughs) Well, like we were saying before, I don't think I've had I've had flaming hot monster munch. Maybe that's an equivalent. Yeah. But Judo Master, opening title sequence, you know, first couple of episodes, you're like, where is he? Like he's getting yeah. lifted up by Peacemaker in the opening, and then we finally yeah. get him. And yeah, very competent fighter. And yeah, and he was a cool character. Yeah. Uh it was great. Um use for comedic effect, like for like just wouldn't stay down whether you put a bullet in his chest whether you hit it hit him in the back of the head repeatedly with a truck and then a tire <laughs> iron yeah. um and yeah you the whole time you think he's a villain or he's like a mercenary for hire and then when you find out what the butterfly's actual goal is you're like oh that actually genuinely makes sense and you do Why would you do have a moment and you're like, you don't know which way Peacemaker's going to go. And that's what I love about this show. Yeah. You don't always know what's going to happen. Yeah, all the characters have clearly defined motivations. Uh, and even when you get to the end, uh, when he foils their plan uh, and they ask him, like, oh, why'd you do it? Like, yeah they made a statement that that seems to go along with your whole like uh mission statement of i want peace and i'll do I'll whatever do it, it takes it, to get it any cost but it, i mean but him not helping them he just completely solidifies he's changed yeah um because he wasn't willing to get it at any price he's like what well, like but that was yeah. He goes yeah, and it was it all was great. But they wouldn't have allowed any of you guys to live if they couldn't. And that's too, that that was that price was too high. Yeah, it was, it was a great it was a great moment. There's an actor we've not talked about, and we absolutely need to because I don't think I've seen this guy before. And whenever he's on screen, I cannot take my eyes off him. Christopher Heyerdahl as Casper Locke. Yeah. I think I re- recognize him from, he's got to have been in Supernatural. I'm positive. I mean, there's 16 seasons of that show. I'm positive he was in at least one episode because his face looked familiar. I couldn't quite face it. And the- he's got so many faces. Like th- there's, some th- there's clearly something about this actor, something that James Gunn is aware of because what we get a lot of, not so much post-credit scenes, but we get outtakes, which was, you know, fun to see in the end credits. But if this guy was in an episode, he pretty much, the outtakes were on him. And it was him, yeah. like, pulling faces, doing numerous takes. And there's just, yeah, something something about him. 
I thought it was excellent. I I really did. Yeah. When we when we get to the point where, and again, we're talking about in the opening title sequences about the lack of emotion. There's that bit, isn't there, when when the butterfly possessed song tries to assure her partner before he's turned, she makes a freaky smile. She then notes how her kind keeps forgetting smiles look different on each face. After being possessed at that police station scene, you've just got people just walking, and it's not special effects, just walking and just pulling that different faces, like almost like trying to like show like a human smile. And it was so eerie and creepy. And, and everyone's got a different smile because everyone's got a different smile. Face. That's right, but. Christopher Heyerdahl, he's the one that's like so unnerving. Like, and obviously he's an older guy yeah. as well. And he looks like, you know, we've had lots of jokers on screen now. But back in the day, after having Nicholson and Heath Ledger, and people always say, you know, this guy for Joker, Willem Dafoe would get thrown around a lot. But this guy, he could do so much with his face. And he has yeah. like an Arkham Asylum Joker style look about him. But yeah, whenever he was on screen, I just thought he was just making interesting choices. And then when he becomes a butterfly himself, really creepy. Yeah, yeah, so good. Um, all, all of the, all the elements on this show. I mean, James Gunn's music selection. He's like Quentin Tarantino of obscure seventies, eighties rock. <laughs> he like he really. He he, do, he does it with both of the Guardians of the Galaxies movies so far. Uh, there's some choices for Suicide Squad as well, but this one, I'm like, I I want to know. Like, I haven't seen it in an interview or anything yet. I'm like, the movie, the music you listen to in this show, which I took as the soundtrack for Peacemakers specifically. These are Peacemakers right, yeah. from Peace perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was this the tape collection in James Gunn's high school car? <laughs> you know, on his choice of music, what I think works so well, like most of them are familiar, but some aren't. And, you know, yeah. some aren't the biggest songs. And what I like about his music choices, he's not just going for what's popular. He's, yeah. he's going for what's going to work best in a particular scene. And it just, you know, whether it's Guardians, Suicide Squad, Peacemaker, it works so well. So love the music choices. The score, Kevin Kinnear. We talked about him when we reviewed Star Wars recently, the animated series. Yeah. And Clint Mansell. So they're the two guys, the two composers on this one. And then, yeah, the opening theme, Wigwam, Do You Want to Taste It? Which... Is a is an amazing amazing song. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I like to mention about the show is, you know, each episode has a title. It's not just episode one, two, three, four, or whatever, uh, and it's not. Uh, they're not themed like uh, Smallville. Or the whole run was a single word that somehow was supposed to sum up the essence of whatever episode it was. These were all kind of sayings that were done in like a pun that would reference the uh, the episode and would the, the correct way of saying it would be used in each episode. Yeah. But we got episode one, a whole new world. 
uh, episode two, best friends for never. Episode three, better goth dead. Episode four, the chode less traveled. <laughs> episode five, monkey dory. Episode six, Mern after eating. Episode seven, stop dragon the creature my heart around. <laughs> and episode eight, it's cow or never. Oh. Excellent, excellent. And yes, episode seven, Stop Dragging My Heart Around. His dad, the white dragon, is killed in that episode. Yeah. The finale, it's cow or never. You find out the big alien cow that is producing the slime that is keeping the butterflies alive on Earth. Yeah, great use of tiles, really like that. But what we get in this finale is a big action movie third act. Because again, yeah. like going into it, I thought it was going to be more street level. It absolutely isn't. Like it's full on big superhero, supervillain threats. And with the third act, Peacemaker does save the day. He does have that showdown. He does turn down their offer. And after Peacemaker and his team have saved the day, I could not believe how they ended this first season by having not just characters appear from the DCEU, actors. Yeah. Generally, generally shocked to see them. We've got Jason Momoa reprising his role as Aquaman, Ezra Miller as Barry Allen, The Flash, Justice League members, Superman, Wonder Woman also appear, but they're portrayed by stand-ins. And at first I thought, that was just like done like CGI. I didn't realize, but no, they actually had actors wearing the movie costumes. And then yeah. you just never saw their faces, but then just swearing, which fit as part of this show, because we even got bad language from Peacemaker in the Suicide Squad. Yeah. But with this all being D DCEU, still surprised me, but it fit within this show. Yeah. Aquaman. Flash swearing, essentially. Mozart yeah. Aquaman. But it, it fit within the show, but generally shocked that this is how they ended it. And the Justice League turning up and Peacemakers, essentially, you're too late. Yeah. Where were yeah, you nice guys? Uh, yeah, where, where to go, dickheads? Like, <laughs> <laughs> But it's that yeah. thing, isn't it? People say, when watching a Thor movie or an Iron Man movie, why doesn't the Avengers just turn up? Well, yeah. they can't always just turn up. And this is an example of the Justice League trying to, only the two like The fight has been won. Yeah, and also, these are not people with numbers, like, in the yellow pages. Like, how do you call or contact the Justice League or the Avengers? You need someone to know how to contact them. So, yeah, like, that whole, like, well, like Thor doesn't have email. Yeah, like, but it, it was so great seeing the Justice League because... I mean, this show had so many surprises, but even surprise after surprise, never did I think this is where it would end up. But we oh, still never. don't know. We still don't know what's happening with Henry Cavill. He's off making films, you know, for other movie studios. We don't know what he's, you know, he's doing Witcher on Netflix. He's busy. But even though we didn't see his face, Superman is still in the DCEU as seen in the cafeteria scene at the end of Shazam. Yeah. 
And now here, after the events of the Suicide Squad film, there is still a Superman in the DCEU. There's just no Henry Cavill. But anyway, it was great seeing The Flash, Aquaman, and what John Cena had to say about those cameos is that it puts the Peacemaker character like up there with the Justice League, as in just like makes it so he's a legit character that exists, yeah. you know, within these worlds. And having the actors from the movies turn up is a big deal. Second time for Ezra Miller as the Flash on TV, we got to see him as part of the Crisis on the Infinite Earths crossover where he interacted with Grant Gustin, the Flash. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was just brilliant, really surprised me. And what James Gunn has teased about season two, there's going to be more connections to the DCEU. So whether oh, that's great. going to be events or actors, characters, who knows? I've got a feeling because he's a pretty quirky guy, James Gunn. I can imagine for him having more DCEU connections could mean some more obscure DC characters appearing. Yeah, because he did mention ones like Kite Man. Yes. <laughs> like Pete. Oh, do you know what? What I thought was really fun, like what, what he did after every episode, like, for example, they mention Batmite. Yeah. Like, you know, an imp who's obsessed with Batman who follows him around. And that's what I love, like just the balls of the show, how James Gunn can just throw these little bits of information out there, like Mata Italad, a member yeah. of the Legion of Superheroes. He's a character that exists in this world. But as soon as James Gunn puts it in an episode and it airs, he'd put like a like a an attachment from a comic and then hashtag canon yeah that <laughs> was just brilliant because it's true though because again like this is not like arrowverse like this is the dceu so if it happens within peacemaker it's out there in the world for batman v superman wonder woman it's canon it's yeah. all yeah, canon. yeah that's it like yeah batman may have come off against that uh batmite well well, apparently it definitely did. would have been about Matt Might. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or maybe even Kite Man, and maybe uh, oh. Superman's hanging out with Madre Lad. We don't know. That's great. You know, we're still waiting for season three of Harlequin. Of course, that show is where Kite Man was made very, very popular. I think Tom yeah. King first brought him back in comics, but then yes, he was quite prominent in Harlequin. They've just announced they're doing a spin-off of the animated series focused on Noonan's bar. And ah, Kite Man's going right. to be a character in that, but it's going to be focused on obscure DC villains within the world of Harlequin. Awesome. I, I love when they focus on stuff like that. There was a really great run by Nick Spencer uh, for Marvel, uh, Superior Foes of Spider-Man. Oh, that's brilliant. Was, yeah, there's just all these obscure losers like... Uh, Boomerang, uh, Beetle, who was not the original Beetle because he got killed. It was some like new upcoming girl called Beetle. Turns out to be the daughter of Tombstone. You've got uh, Shocker, one of my favorites, and yeah, all these just all these losers who I can't really do anything on their own. That. And that was coming out around the time. Well, it was coming out at the same time as Super, uh, Superior Spider-Man, and that was yeah. Doc Ock 
his mind yeah. in the body of Peter Parker. It was a yeah, it was a whole thing. But yeah, that particular series with art by Steve Lieber. Yeah, really. Um, so it's enjoy that. Seeing series. the DC equivalent, I'm all over it. Yeah, no, me I too. Love, I love obscure characters, but especially just, if we get more like uh, psychologist Bane. <laughs> oh yes. Oh, and just King Shark. Yeah, oh, so much fun. I love that. But we're talking about different shows now, so let's 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 rate Peacemaker season one out of five. Oh, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be conservative. I'm gonna give this. A four out of five. The only reason, like, I ha- I won't rate it higher is because as much as I enjoyed it, some of the foul language and the like, the Suicide Squad film, uh, the gore when things go like splat might be a bit much for some people. Um, but for my own personal enjoyment, it's a five out of five. But on a recommend, I, a very solid four out of five. How about yourself? I'm just not going to have that distinction and I'm just going to come in at a five out of five. Yeah. It is a five out of five. I understand it. I loved it. It's Absolutely loved it. I mean, I was very much into this show on the back of casting Cena as Peacemaker for the Suicide Squad. Really enjoyed that movie and I was looking forward to the show. And we've said it like there is so much content like dc tv there is so much and a lot of it is similar and i'm talking more specifically with what we get from cw i'm back enjoying the flash again and really enjoying superman and lois but a lot of the shows like legends batwoman we've got naomi now they're all a little bit samey a little bit safe and i just enjoyed just sitting down weekly and watching a DC show like this, the production value, all of it, just really enjoying it. I, I just thought it was great week to week. And, and again, it's heartfelt. It's got the action. And you're right. It is really gory at times. And the bad language didn't bother me. Recently, no. we reviewed Titans season three. Yeah. It does bother me. I'd say a little bit, but I did bring it up a couple of times when we reviewed that season, hearing characters like Nightwing swear. I don't know, it kind of... I find it hard to to accept. It just seems like those characters shouldn't be speaking that way. But Peacemaker... And they're able... It is on brand. But they're able to tell stories within the DCEU, but there's not one tone. And that works yeah. really well. And that's why you can have something which is kind of more PG, kid-friendly, although I think it's M-rated, like the Shazam movie, where it does yeah. feel like big with superpowers. But at the same time, you're going to have Peacemaker. And they're doing it with a lot of success, well, lots of success at Marvel, whereas you can have like something more tame, like an Ant-Man movie. And then you can have something like Captain America, The Winter Soldier. So tonally, yeah. it doesn't need to match, but it just needs to be of one piece, which they've succeeded since, well, Iron Man. But they're doing it here with, with DC. So I'm glad that it didn't feel like a rushed, like just TV, 
piece. Like it really is like film quality. And again, yeah. week to week, I loved it. So I get what you're saying. It's probably reasons why I can bring it down from a five, but I'm just riding that high of like yeah. every week. I just loved watching the show. Yeah. And also just to put it out there, like John Cena, like amazing. He's he had to do the entire spectrum of like serious, funny, like his comedic timing is like spot on, but also uh, the dramatic stuff and like uh, dealing with the trauma. Amazing. His range is terrific. And I, I want to see him in more things like this. Yeah, me too. This goes to solidify like, I've been saying people should cast John Cena and stuff. This proves that I was right. Use more John Cena. Yeah, I mean, he, he really can. You've got someone like Dwayne Johnson. It can do the big entertaining action comedy movies. You've got somebody in Dave Batista who can do things like the latest Blade Runner movie. And, you know, it can do, like, family action comedies like My Spy. But I feel yeah. like John Cena kind of fits in between them two. Yeah, yeah. Whereas he can do what The Rock can do, but he's also doing or demonstrating that he's capable of doing a bit of what Batista's been doing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see more of John Cena. I think he's, he's yeah. brilliant as Peacemaker and... You know, I think what's he doing next? I think he's doing a Looney Tunes animation live action hybrid. Yeah. <laughs> Wiley Coyote versus Acme. That's right. Cena is going to be in that. Anyway, <laughs> wait and see. So he's got some more kid friendly stuff coming out as well. But, and of course, season two of Peacemaker, which can't come soon enough. Oh, I know. Really, really looking forward to that. <laughs> Well, that's it for our episode all about Peacemaker Season 1. If you would like to contact us about this episode or suggest a topic for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.